I'm a member of a few uh, Facebook art teacher groups, and it seems like almost every day I'll read a post where someone's asking for a good project idea. They'll be like, does anyone have a good painting project? Or does anyone have a good perspective project? Or maybe like, does anyone have a really good color wheel project? And these requests are almost often accompanied with the reason for the request, which usually goes something like this. Does anyone have a really good color wheel project? I'm tired of mine. On the surface, these seem to be reasonable requests, right? Teacher is seeking something new that she can get excited about. That's She was bored of hers. Um, and she wants something that's going to produce good results and probably cover a skill or technique that she wishes to cover with her students. But if we look under the hood, if we look under the hood, there is a lot the teacher is asking for, perhaps even more than she realizes. Today, we're going to take a look at the why and how you might consider stop giving projects. I'm gonna start by reviewing the art making process. Now these are the four phases that pretty much every artist goes through. Um, I went into detail about this in a podcast titled Product or Process. So if you're interested in a more detailed explanation, you can check that out. But in short, I'll just go through the process of making art and the four phases it consists of. Uh, the first phase is the inspiration phase. So this is where the idea is generated. It's what the teacher who's requesting a new project idea is looking for. For example, does anyone have a good color wheel project? The color wheel project would be the inspiration for the project. The second phase is the design phase. Now this is where the artist takes the inspiration and formulates a plan, right? Designs it. Um, this is also what the art teacher is seeking when they're looking for that project. Um, if it's the color wheel project, they wanna know what are the details of the project? What materials will be used? What skills will be taught or learned and, and how long will the project take. The third phase is the creation phase and this is when the artist makes the art. Um, in our color wheel example, the color wheel lesson example, there is probably a general idea of what the art teacher is expecting the students to make, um, if not a solid exemplar, um, but, but basically a definitely idea of what the student should be creating in this phase. And then the last phase is the reflection phase, and it's where the artist reviews the work and decides what went well and what didn't. For our color wheel lesson plan example, um, most likely this will be there'll be a rubric involved uh, there um, that describes it for the student so they can understand what they did. Now, that is a real quick general overview of the artistic process and also an overview a general overview of what goes into a project lesson plan now here's where i get myself into trouble uh, you might even get angry with me. I, I know it's hard to believe I'm an adorable cupcake, but sometimes when I talk like this, people actually get a little upset with me. But before you get too angry, understand this is not a judgment. It's an observation. This is things I'm going to explain that we as teachers do. It's, it's how we look. It's how we teach. Um, mainly because this is how we've been taught to teach. Um, I think everyone in some way and some time has taught like this, including me. And to be honest, all these methods work. I'm just trying to find the one where the student has the biggest role. So please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just looking at things that, that, you know, that I have done and I'm trying to figure out what is the best way to do things for my students. So it's the best way for them, or if there's just a general, another way. So that's the precursor there. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. Um, so what I see happening with a project is that the teacher is completing a lot of the artistic process. And, and, and I'll, I'll explain why I say that. For one, um, <clears throat> when the teacher gives the projects, they decide the inspiration. 
If it's the color wheel project, the color wheel is the inspiration. You know, the teachers decided this, not the student. So the teacher has completed inspiration phase. Well, you're probably like, well, Sans, that seems probably pretty obvious. Of course, the teacher is going to present the inspiration, you know, when giving a project. You know, okay, I'm, I'm with you. Fair enough. We can circle back to discuss that more later. But let's look at the next phase, the design phase. So that's the second phase. Now, how much of the design phase is left up to the students and how much is developed by the teacher depends on the project, of course. However, in a project-based lesson, there is always some of the design, if not all the design, that is created by the teacher. Going back to our color wheel project, picture one in your head. Picture your favorite color wheel project, um, maybe one you've seen, maybe one you've even offered your students. Uh, what was the medium that was used for that color wheel project and who decided it? And was it the teacher or was it the student? What size was the paper? Or how many colors did the student have to create to create their color wheel? And was this decided by the teacher or was this decided by the student? And what did the color wheel look like? For example, did everyone have to create the same thing, say a mandala or the shape of a flower? Again, who decided this? And how long did, you, did the project take? Like, what was the scope of the project? And who decided that? Who set the deadline? That's about six or so questions I just asked there. Now think about it, out of those six questions, how many were decided by the teacher and not the student? If more questions <clears throat> than not were decided by the teacher, then the teacher really completed the design phase, not the student. So now the teachers come up with the inspiration and the teacher has created most of the design for the project. Okay, let's move on to the creation phase. Um, surely here the student is making the art, right? <laughs> yes, for the most part, I'm going to agree the student is making the art. However, depending on how much structure was imposed in the design phase, the student may or may not have that much leniency <laughs> when it comes to creating. I mean, in extreme cases, it might be more like constructing than creating. You know what I'm talking about. If it, if it is so tight what they have to do uh, in the design phase, then really they're just kind of going through the steps to get it created. All right, finally, the reflection phase. And again, this can be very teacher-centric or can be very student-centric. It really depends on the project. But a strict rubric, one that asks the students about um, completing a set number of tasks, is predominantly designed and created by the teacher. So if the student's response const are constricted to like yes, no type answers or this many, that many, then they haven't really participated much in the reflection phase. Now, everything happens on a floating scale, right? So there's no absolute percentages, but in simple terms, in simple terms, if the teacher has decided the inspiration and has done a lot of the design of the project and has a really tight rubric, even if the student's making the art in the, in the third phase, creation, the teacher has still worked on three out of four phases. And depending on how involved the teacher was, it could be up to 75% of the work it, the teacher was involved in <laughs> that the student could have been doing like that's that's like 75% of the project this, the teacher did now look let's let's actually look at it from the point of view of the teacher uh, which is to say in the teacher's defense <laughs> if the teacher's doing that much work then then the student should be doing she's working too hard on doing things the student should or could be doing you're working too hard <laughs> look at it that way don't get angry at me i'm trying to make your life easier here so if you got mad at me for saying uh, you know any of this before this look at it from that perspective i'm helping you out i'm offering the opportunity to take a, a big workload off of your plate and you can thank me later <laughs> okay you probably already stopped listening to this podcast <laughs> anyway what's the solution 
So how do you turn this around so the student is doing the majority of the work? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, don't just say choice because I'm not giving some open assignment where the kids just do whatever they want. No, I hear you. I agree with you. I'm there. I'm with you on that. But that's not what I'm saying. We're going to try to put all the parts into those phases, just taking away the part that the teacher was doing it and allowing the student to do it. So what if I told you there was a way to give assignments that, that the focus on helping your students become better artists? Like, there are going to be units that we're going to design that are not about making art, but for learning how to act and think like artists. Because if our students learn how to become better artists, then they will also begin learning how to make better art. And what I'm talking about here, what I'm talking about offering is artistic behavior units. So what is an artistic behavior unit? Well, it's a great question. Um, we first developed them, Melissa Purdy and I, and we were working at Apex High School. And, and, the, and the idea really came around from the desire to, to present content that, that kind of deviated from the traditional method. Like previously, we had, um, you know, I'd done units that were based on media, or I, I did units that were based on elements of art or principles of design. And none of those methods was ideal um, and, and both had their limitations. So we were looking for some way that would allow units that um, that really develop the artist, uh, where the artist was be, had the choice to, to select the medium they wanted. They could create the, the scope, determine how big the project was going to be, how long it was going to take to complete it, but still had all those things in it, like was presenting ideas, was presenting artists and artists' work, and it was also showing how to use techniques and skills. So that's where the idea came from. And the idea is, is basically, if you think about what artists do or the way artists work, that's where we get the units from. So for example, what do artists do? Think about something artists do. Well, I'll give you a couple. Artists observe. They look at things and then they draw them or they paint them, they, 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 they like observation. So there's a unit right there, artists observe. And you can talk all about the different ways artists observe. Here's another one, artists solve problems. Think about how artists work with limitations sometimes. They have physical limitations. They, they use they, conceptual limitations. They, they put on themselves some media limitations. There's all kinds of limitations that artists deal with, but they, they find ways around it and they solve problems. There's a whole bunch of things that artists do. Artists tell stories. They communicate. They're self-learners. They collect and synthesize. There's so many things. I think the best way to explain an artist behavior unit is for me to walk you through one. So I'm going to do one today. Uh, we're gonna take a look at Artist Steel. Now, Artist Steel is the title of the unit and the objective is to understand how artists used appropriation by borrowing aspects of other artworks and incorporating it into their own work. Now you can even start with the pre-assessment when you're doing this unit. Uh, let's ask the students some essential questions like, is copying as part of your artwork ever okay? You can have them answer that um, in a form if you're working virtually or if we ever get back to groups, a group conversation would be fantastic. Another essential question you could ask is, what is the difference between copying someone's idea and being inspired by someone's artwork? Or how are stealing and copying different? And you ask these questions and you have these students discuss it and this is part of the inspiration phase you're introducing them to this concept of artist steel i like to show artwork with it i'll show the banksy it's the rock where he wrote the bad artists imitate the great artist steel and it says pablo picasso when he scratched it out and he wrote his name banksy underneath it which is kind of clever because obviously banksy thought it up not pablo picasso no that's not true pablo picasso didn't think it up either he stole it from t.s Eliot, who wrote the immature poet imitates the mature poet plagiarizes so 
people are stealing in the art world all the time. So we can talk about these things in the class and I can talk about different artists that steal. And I'll give you some examples of, of some really good examples uh, that I think Roy Lichtenstein, right? The pop artist best known for his 1960s work where he appropriated comic book imagery. You can actually find images online of his work and the comic books he basically stole from. And you can have these wonderful conversations with your students. Is this copyright infringement? Is it not? You could show Shepard Ferry, uh, the street artist who fought the legal battle over the AP photograph he used when he created the 2008 Barack Obama Hope poster. Now, he went to court over that and he actually lost, he, he lost not for, for using the photo. I think him and the AP worked it out, but actually for lying to the judge, he was found in contempt of court. So that's a whole nother conversation you could have. Um, Jeff Koons, I like to show Jeff Koons work. I mean, he steals um, from <laughs> balloon dogs to plastic bunny rabbits, but I think the biggest one is the Rogers. Uh, he, he, he got sued in court over um, the Rogers had taken this photograph of, I guess it was the Rogers, and they were holding a whole bunch of puppies in their arms. And my understanding is Jeff Koons found this photograph and of course he didn't make the art himself that he was he's too cool for that he went to a sculptor and said hey i want you to recreate this um photograph into a three-dimensional sculpture and then of course i'll slap my name on it and make millions of dollars and so they did that and they they sued him um and and he lost so that's a really good one to talk about too um, all these different ways that artists steal and lose. Now, you can go into it even further. There is a video, which you might have seen, Austin Kleon, Steal Like an Artist. It's a TED Talk he gives where he talks all about this and how he um, basically stole without knowing it and how he eventually you know, started to realize that other people stole from the people before him that stole from the people before him and realized it was all about appropriation. It's a great video to show the students to really get them inspired about this concept of artist steal and what it means. Um, you can even have them, if you want to have some fun, do a few activities to understand this concept a little better. Based on that TED Talk, you could have them create a blackout poem. Now, this is I'm not talking about a week project or anything. I'm talking about like a one-day thing where you give them an old newspaper or a page from a book, and you just have them create their own blackout poems. They just use a marker, and they circle words they want to keep, and they black out the rest. Maybe they can add some little doodles in there, and just to have some fun getting that creative juices flowing there. Um, and, and you can do things like that just to kind of get them going. Then... After that, you're going to want to eventually present them with the project. So you want to make sure they understand the concept well enough in the inspiration phase before they get into the design phase because you're not telling them what to do, you're getting them interested in this concept. But when you do, you're going to say that objective again, which is to um, you know, use appropriation, borrowing aspects of other artwork and incorporating it into your own artwork. Now at that point, depending on the level of choice they're used to, they might be able to run with it. They might be like, I've got this down, or they might need some, some uh, suggestions on how they can do that. And you can give those to them. They're just suggestions and ideas for things they could do. For example, you could say you could, number one, you can redo an old work. Um, I've seen tattoos. They were terrible tattoos and they had the tattoo redone again. Uh, there's things like that where you've got this old work and you're redoing it, redoing an old master or something like that in your own, with your own take on it. Um, you could change something about something. Uh, it was um, Deshaun with the um, Mona Lisa where he put the mustache and the goatee on the postcard of the Mona Lisa and he wrote L-H-O-Q, which I believe uh, sounds similar to in French. Uh, she has a hot booty. Um, so you can show them that and they'll get a kick out of you saying booty. Um, and the idea is that they're changing something about it and that they're appropriating it and making it their own. Or 
perhaps the my favorite one that I like to give is the concept of remixing two images into a new thing. So I give the example, if you've ever seen the artwork by Mr. Brainwash, or if you've ever watched the movie Exit for the Gift Shop, you know who Mr. Brainwash is, and he did uh, a, a piece of art that was uh, looked like a spray paint can, uh, but the can itself was a Campbell's soup can. So he took the idea of remixing two things. He took a paint spray paint can and the Andy Warhol tomato soup can, and he mixed them into a new thing. So I give that as an example of, of, of something they could do for the assignment. I'll also say I do show student examples. Uh, for one, I have uh, some that I've done in the past. I had a student who did the, the Rosie of the River, We Can Do It, but she did the hashtag, We Can Do It. She had the hashtag, and she has Rosie holding up an uh, iPhone, and she's got a peace sign, and she's making duck lips. So there's an example of appropriation. I had another student who um, liked the fire lane out in the parking lot, so she made really big stencils um, and got some chalk spray paint and, and created the words Lois Lane and then a little Superman logo and put it in one of the lanes in the parking lot and it washed away in a day or two so it wasn't an issue I've had thing someone do a make something fake real and they did Winnie the Pooh characters so they took like Winnie the Pooh but instead of him being a little cute little bear in a red shirt it looks like a big grizzly bear standing there in a red shirt and did all the uh, characters like that and I've had people just do reverse images so I had a student do uh, what was originally green eggs and ham with the orange cover and they did red eggs and ham and did a blue color with the red eggs so it was all opposite color so it was kind of fun and if all this fails to inspire and they still need ideas they're still hung up for ideas you can do some brainstorming ideas like for example I'll do a, I can do a group project in the past where I've, I'll say write a list of ideas for changing one part about something else now it works great with a group so I'll say what's like start with one thing and how can you change it for example the mustache on a Mona Lisa how can you change one thing or I'll say uh, you know write a list of ideas about two things that you can remix so they'll just make this list like the Campbell soup and the spray paint can. So they make a list of two things. So that'll get them going. And hopefully from that, they'll start coming up with the designs uh, of projects they want to do. And, and I think they usually do. Um, you know, by that point, they've got a really good idea of something they want to do. And they can go ahead and design it. And they're going to come up with a design. They show it to you. Uh, then you can get out the materials they need. You can talk about any other skills they might need to, to do this based on their medium and all that sort of back-end stuff that goes into choice-based teaching. They go through the creation stage and uh, and, and create their work, create their, their piece of artwork. When you get to the reflection phase, there is no rubric uh, based on the project tasks, if you will. Uh, you can't do that. So you need to go back and talk about your essential questions that you gave, or you can go back and you you can talk about learning targets. For example, one of the learning targets in this was um, I create, learning target I create. I will combine an inspirational source with my own ideas. Um, but basically the concept of appropriation is taking two objects and combining them to create an original piece. So for this project, you, you will combine different things that inspire you in order to create a new, unique work of art. So how did you do that? And now they've got to reflect on that and answer those questions. So explain how you combine an inspirational source with your own ideas. Or what is the difference between copying someone else's artwork and being inspired by someone's work, like those reflection prompts from the beginning. So that all goes into it. And there you've got it. You've got your your artist steel, artistic behavior unit lesson plan. <laughs>
So if you really want to dive more into this whole concept of artistic behavior units, uh, first I'm going to say I will probably do another podcast about these because I can talk a lot more about that. But till then, uh, the open art room, we, ha we have a whole section on it in there and there are some sample uh, lesson plans in there as well uh, from davisart.com or Making Artist also has a section with more lesson plans, more artistic behavior lesson plan ideas in that book as well. So you can purchase either one of those. But if you don't want to spend any money, simply go to artofsouthb.com, A-R-T-O-F-S-O-U-T-H-B.com and click on AB Units tab at the top. And there are plenty of artistic unit plans there. Artists Steal, Artists Observe, Artists explore text as an element, artists collect and synthesize, and there are videos as well as the presentation. Now it's 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 not as in detailed and it doesn't have a lot of the information that you'll get from the book, but if you can just watch a video and look at a presentation and figure out, you know, I can use this and I can create my own lesson plan around it, I get the idea sense, it's it's probably a, you know gonna be good enough for you to steal some ideas there. Hey, you're gonna steal, artists steal. <laughs> uh, what else is on that page? Let's see. Um, Artists consider dis destruction. Artists ask and respond. Artists redo. Artists improve skills. Artists communicate. I've got a bunch of them on here. So um, artists are solve problems. Artists incorporate interactivity. Artists explore juxtaposition. So artists are inspired by objects. Um, explore photography. It's all there. So go steal from me. Get whatever you need. Um, and there's also lots of other things on, on that website as well. So feel free to stop by artistsouthb.com and take anything you like. Okay, that's it for this week. And we'll be back next week with another exciting podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.